Welcome back to the Entertainment Ghost Pop Podcast, where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, meaning TV, movies, music, video games, sports, all of its fair game on this podcast. So this week, got more discussion on Amazing Race Australia as they are headed to the finish line. Finale is coming up. Big Brother Canada still underway. NBA trade deadline was today and some other topics to discuss on this week's edition of the podcast. So on to the week of Big Brother Canada. Again, I'm going to talk about that I'm not a live feed watcher with Big Brother Canada. I mostly just watch the show and get all, of course, the live feed updates, follow Twitter, all that stuff as far as the happenings with uh, the live feeds. Of course, I'm glued to the live feeds here as far as Big Brother US. Canada, I mostly just stick to the show and get live feed updates and stuff like that. And I'll occasionally check out the feeds, but it's just kind of more kind of trouble to watch Big Brother Canada feeds. It's just kind of... Not as easy to watch where you can put it up on your TV like you can with the U.S. feed. So I just mostly stick to the show. So I want to use that, you know, if this is your first time listening, I want to use that as a, as a reason here on why I'm just talking about the show. I know there's other happenings with the house and things like that. So lots going on this week. Of course, last Thursday, you know, we were coming off of Latoya's eviction we got a flashback to 30 minutes before the eviction where Victoria was using Beth's words against her, saying Beth had came to her saying LaToya would be a good resume move for an eviction. And she calls out Beth in the room on it in front of the group. And Beth admitted to it really easily and just calmly and was like, yeah, I did do that. Which really, and of course that went against what Victoria wanted. Victoria wanted LaToya out. And Victoria wanted a fight here. She wanted an argument and wanted to call Beth out, and Beth didn't give it to her. (laughs) That's what was really funny is she wanted, like, an explosive kind of comeback from Beth, and Beth was like, yeah, I did that, you know, okay, yeah, I messed up. (laughs) And that's not at all what Victoria was wanting. Victoria wanted an explosion here that she could use, you know, with this drama. So... But she did deny the word from Victoria. Victoria was saying that Beth had wanted to put Ty on the block. And Beth did like deny that. Said, no, I did not do that. That is not something I did. I did the other. I didn't do this. And Ty did apologize for to Beth for not having her back in this whole thing here. So we get an HOH flashback of the competition of Kiefer and Austin in the final two with both of them promising the other safety. Now keep this in mind, because this will come back as a thing here later on in the week. So Kiefer, of course, won HOH, and then he had to pick the four new have-nots right off the bat. And he asked for volunteers, no volunteers this week. We had one last week that volunteered, but nothing this week. So he picks Tara, Victoria, Tina, and Roe. So this is yet another week of slop for Roe. Kiefer is in a weird scenario here with like his position in the game as the people he feels closest to in this game are the ones that were that voted him out last week. So and that's Beth, Ty, and Jed, you know, with the Sunsetters. 
alliance. So he said it's just something he's going to have to swallow to stay loyal to this alliance, and he feels like that's where he's got to stick to. So Kyle and Roe decide to use that as part of their pitch for safety against Kiefer. They talk to Kiefer and say, do you think we'd be coming for you? And Kiefer says, I don't know. Kyle says if he is HOH next week that Kiefer would be safe. Kiefer says, well, everyone is going to say that because that's what you say to the HOH. Everybody promises safety and I'm never going to come after you and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they say we have never lied to you or would put you up. It's like, yeah, and this is me. Yeah, but you also cornered him in the food pantry last week and called him out. This is kind of the strategy all week of Kyle and Roe is, you know, these people voted you out. We're promising you safety, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, but you also really cornered him last week in that food pantry and made a big scene when he was just really beaten down and had no power. You know, and that's something he's going to say that we'll get to here in a little bit. So Kyle and Rowe, this is their strategy, you know, pretty much through the week. So Kiefer tells Tina and Tara, TNT, that he is leaning toward putting up Kyle and Rowe, but he isn't sure. Tara pitches Austin and Braden with her saying that she just can't read them and doesn't really know where their position is in this game. So... Kiefer is his plan is that he wants to put up put up a duo. That's kind of his plan here. And so Victoria goes to Kiefer. Kiefer said he appreciates her honesty last week of keeping him informed of her plan. He says, I followed your plan last week, so now just you need to look uncomfortable this week to the rest of the house. And he mentions how everyone is in a duo, to which Victoria says, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm by myself. So Kiefer is set on a duo for a target this week. That is what he wants to do. So we then get a segment on the crush triangle that's going on between Beth, Ty, and Jed, with Ty and Jed laughing, saying that they are in a, they are a duo with a crush on the same girl. <laughs> To where Beth laughs at the DR when she's talking about it. She says, it's all ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, this whole thing. But yet the triangle works with them. So that's a trio there. It's it's a big, it's a big love triangle that's going on there. So it's pretty funny. Uh, Kiefer picked his Wendy's date to be with Tina this week. Picked her. He got a, Kiefer got a really nice video from home from his girlfriend. It was really cool. So we move on to day 21 in the Big Brother house, and we see a new room being opened. So Kiefer gets up and finds the new Expedia room, and it's a hilarious reaction of him walking in a room with a completely shocked, puzzled look on his face. And he's running around the room, then he runs up to get the others, and he did search for anything game-related first before he did call anyone down there, but he found nothing because, of course, that's a smart thing to do. You want to check that room out. If you're the first one there, make sure there's not something in there that could give you an advantage in the game. So the triangle of Beth, Ty, and Jed are discussing also the weirdness of that. Isn't it weird that the people closest to Kiefer are the ones that voted him out? And just how awkward that is. They all want Austin as a target. They want to put her up on a block. 
So Ty pitches that to Kiefer later on, and he sticks to the, he still wants to split up some pairs. So Austin is starting to hear her name rumbling around the house as a possibility, and there's a great segment of her in the ball pit where she's just talking out loud like a therapy moment to where you look like you think she's talking to herself, and then we realize there's someone in there with her that she is talking to, and Kyle is underneath the ball pit. It was really hilarious. So now Roe goes to Kiefer to pitch again on him staying off the block. He pitches himself as an asset to Kiefer, addressing the pantry situation. Kiefer points it out again, saying, I was on the block with no power, and you guys came at me. And he said, sorry means as much as promises in this game. When Roe leaves, Kiefer's he's just kind of laughing a bit at the talk they'd had. So... He knows what he's going to do pretty much at this point. So the nominations are Kyle and Roe. Not surprising. Kiefer says in his speech that Roe is on the block because of last week and that he didn't believe his apology. Kyle is on the block, because, but he says that he believed his apology to be, he believed that apology to be sincere. But he didn't want Kyle playing in the veto unless he was on the block. So it wouldn't be a deal where both of them would be pulled off the block. So, of course, afterwards, Roe is not happy with this, saying, or he's just talking to himself, saying, they voted you out, and you are still aligned with them, and laughing and hanging out with them. To which I say, yes, but they also didn't go at him in the food pantry and make a big scene. (laughs) So, we get to the veto player pick. Beth, Jed, and Austin are the ones picked to play along with the two nominees, Rose sees this, this is a terrible pick for him, as it is all Sunsetters, and then Austin, who's going to play for Kyle, because there's a showman's thing that's starting up there with Kyle and Austin. So, Rose starts working Jed to try to throw the veto to him. Jed nods, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense, whatever. But in the DR, he says, yeah, that's not happening, there's no chance of that happening. Roe goes goes back to Kiefer, where Kiefer says he wouldn't mind one of them winning veto and coming down. So, you know, Kiefer's kind of keeping this up up for debate. He's uh, He's not locked on anything. So the veto competition was a really fun one. It was called Mole and One. Players had to blow a ball across a course where they would have to peek their head up like a mole, coming up through a mole hole, and they have to keep like blowing their ball around the course so they have to keep it moving they have to keep popping up through these holes it was really a fun competition it looked like it would be a fun one to uh, to try so they have to do this and land it in a final hole at the end of the course and they also have to land 10 balls in there so Jed is looking to win to keep the nomination safe for Kiefer, and it isn't long before Roe realizes that Jed is definitely not trying to throw this to him here, and he's trying to win. So Roe ends up working even harder here. He ends up winning a close competition, wins the veto, so now he can take himself off the block. This also includes him giving a shout-out in the DR with his win, shouting out to his parents for creating such a champion. (laughs) I thought that was a pretty funny line. So, Roe's big turn of events here in this game continues when we get the results of the save a person from the slop vote. 
Roe gets that vote, and I know a lot of the fans were voting that way simply for the fact that he had been on it consistently for so many weeks, and they just wanted to give him a break, you know. So now the talk turns to, so who is the replacement nominee going to be? So Ty pitches Austin to Kiefer. Kyle goes to Kiefer saying he doesn't hold any grudges against him and that he considers them even now. Kyle pitches Victoria as the replacement. Victoria meets with Kiefer to where he says, lots are throwing her name out, to which Victoria says, I'm here to help you with whatever you want to do. Kiefer tells Victoria that Kyle specifically is throwing her name out, which of course does not please Victoria. Austin goes to Kiefer later saying, am I okay? Kiefer says, I don't think you're going home. Well, that clearly isn't like the great worded answer that you want to hear. (laughs) She asks, am I going up? And he says, I'm not sure. I have a lot of info coming coming at me. So... Obviously, Austin's not thrilled about this turn of events because remember they had promised each other safety after that uh, HOH or during you know when they got to the tiebreaker portion of the HOH competition. So Kiefer says that to us that he may have to break some promises, but that it's Big Brother. He talks to TNT and he says the decision is made and people are gonna be mad. So the veto ceremony happens. Of course, Roe removes himself, and up for the replacement is Austin. So Austin, not a very happy camper here. Um, As he put her up, Kiefer says, for the reason, he says, I'm putting up someone that used me as a pawn on their HOH, so I'm just returning the favor. So, of course, Austin, obviously not pleased about this in the DR, from what we hear, for Kiefer going back on his deal Kiefer says in the DR that he is content with whoever goes home, whether it's Austin or Kyle, and calling it a successful HOH week either way. So that gets us to tonight's eviction episode. Episode opens up with the post-veto ceremony moment with Kyle calling out Kiefer, who just really doesn't care. And instead of Kiefer being his reaction, it gets Victoria involved, who starts going back at Kyle. And Kiefer is standing there eating as this is going on basically it's like the eating popcorn moment is really funny and Kyle's call out basically just goes out with a whimper here it just turns into just nothing that he probably just shouldn't have even done in the first place especially when Victoria got involved because Victoria is all about chaos and she was seeing that as a moment to cause some chaos because she knew that Kyle had thrown her name out too so That's something uh, that she pretty much enjoyed. So, who's going to be evicted? Well, TNT, Tina and Tara, they're struggling on what to do with their votes. Especially Tara, as she is really trying hard to get some info out of either Kyle or Austin. And neither seem interested in even making a pitch on a vote. So... Austin feels like she's safe, like she feels like she's got the vote. She talks to Braden about it. They both feel like she's good. She doesn't do much campaigning, but Kyle isn't doing much of it either. There's not a lot of campaigning going on. Now, Kyle does make a pitch to Ty and Jed for their votes saying, look, someone is going to have to go and take a shot at Kiefer. 
And he and Kyle knows that Ty and Jed can't because they're aligned with him. And he tells them that. He says, look, I know you guys can't because you're aligned with him. He says, keep me and let me and Road do it. And then you guys keep your hands clean. And Kiefer at one point walks into this conversation. And he knows clearly he's walked into a game conversation. He's just like, oh, do I need to leave? And they're like, yeah, give us about five more minutes. So basically, Kiefer got kicked out of his own HOH room, which is pretty, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. It's pretty funny. So Ty says in the DR, you know, after this conversation with Kyle, he says, you know what? Kyle really did make a good point with that. That was actually a very good pitch that he made. So what will happen now? So that gets us to the eviction tonight. Kyle gets voted out on a 7-1 to vote. The votes to evict Kyle are Braden, Tina, Ty, Beth, Victoria, Jetson, and Tara. The only vote to evict Austin was, of course, Kyle's duo. You know, it was uh, Roe. Roe was the only one that voted to save him. So Kyle's evicted 7-1 to vote. The HOH competition gets underway with the competition being you've got a conveyor belt and these rocks are coming down a conveyor belt. You have to count how many rocks are coming down. You have a button in your hand. So every time you see a rock, you just hit your button and it's adding as you're hitting your button. So every time, if you see three, you're like one, two, three, three button pushes. And this is what was going on as the episode ended. So again, they leave us hanging on an HOH competition, which is frustrating. Now, what's not frustrating is this is a pretty cool twist that they've got going on for Big Brother Canada this week. The HOH this week is going to be the Invisible HOH. This means that you're going to this means that the winner of the HOH competition will be hidden this week. It will not be revealed. All the HOH is going to make all nominations in secret. They can play in veto and they can also compete in next week's HOH competition. The only privilege that's going to be taken away from the HOH this week is the HOH room. There's going to be no nobody in an HOH room this week. So that's pretty cool because this is something to where somebody can take a shot here. And if you want to take a shot at somebody you're loosely aligned with, and not want to get that on you, you can do it. So, I mean, let's think back to Kyle's pitch here, to where he pitched to Ty and Jed, like, you know, somebody needs to take a shot at Kiefer. I realize you guys can't do it. We can. So, what could happen here is this is really, I really think this is a perfect time for this to happen, because now... All these duos can take shots at anybody they want to, you know, without without people knowing who did it. So if you're Ty and Jed and you do want to take a shot at Kiefer, you know, you can do it and and not have any any of this on you because it's going to be invisible. Nobody's going to know who the HOH was. So you could always do that and then, you know, pin it on another suspect, you know, like, man, I can't believe they put, somebody put you up. I wonder who that was. So this is really, I don't know why, like, I don't know why this isn't a twist that, this is a twist that needs to keep going. I don't know why this is a twist that isn't more common in Big Brother, because this is really cool. 
It's like Big Brother US tried to do a little something like this with a twist where it was like invisible powers. You know, they tried that a few years ago, and of course that flopped. But this is something really cool, and I think this is going to be an exciting week. Of course, there's no no spoilers. As I'm recording this, no spoilers have come out on who won the HOH competition, so I will definitely be checking that out. But this is going to be a very fun week for Big Brother Canada. I'm pretty pumped to see how this Invisible HOH week plays out. Some random topics here to talk about. First off, we're going to talk about some streaming news that came out. Uh, Disney has de- has delayed the new Marvel release, Black Widow, until July. Is going to be it will be released in theaters, but it is also going to be released for an extra fee on Disney Plus at the same time. Uh, Cruella is also going to be getting the same treatment on May twenty eighth, being released in theaters and on Disney Plus for a fee. So. The fee is actually going to be, the cost for you to be able to stream these movies at home is going to be $30. That is the extra uh, fee that you're going to have to go up to pay besides the Disney Plus regular subscription that you're going to have. Uh, Now, the Pixar movie Luca is going to be skipping most theaters, is going to be available to all Disney Plus subscribers on June 18th. Now, the theaters that are going to be getting it are going to be, you know, international markets that don't have access to Disney Plus. So, that's one thing that all Disney Plus subscribers are going to be getting. But Black Widow and Cruella, you're going to be getting a fee for 30 bucks extra if you want to stream these at home. That's a significant fee. I'm curious to see how many people do that, because that's pretty significant. Now, also keep in mind, if you are a Disney Plus subscriber, now keep in mind that monthly fees are going to go into effect tomorrow, March 26th. Monthly fees for Disney Plus are going up from $6.99 to $7.99. The annual fee is going to go up from $69.99 up to $79.99. Now, the bundle with Disney Plus, Hulu, including ads, and ESPN Plus is going to go up from $12.99 to $13.99. Now, keep in mind, this is the first price increase that Disney Plus has done since November 2019. And then they also, you know, they announced they were going to be doing this a few months ago when they... Uh, unveiled their just insane amount of content that they had coming up. You know, they talked about, you know, that they were going to be increasing fees. So I'm just very curious about that $30 fee on Cruella and Black Widow. I want to see how that does and what the feedback is on that. Uh, Music news, Carrie Underwood's album, My Savior, releasing tomorrow. She is doing the media round. She is going to be on the Today Show. She, I guess it'll be all be Zoom. You know, that's the the world we live in now with her last album, with the Christmas album. She was doing Zoom-style 
uh, appearances. So I'm sure it's going to be the same thing with this. So she's going to be on the Today Show tomorrow morning if you're hearing this in time. If not, look it up online. You can check out her appearance on there. So I'm very pumped to check out this album. I've, of course, got it or pre-ordered and look forward to checking it out. The NBA trade deadline was earlier today. A lot of happenings going on there. Of course, I'm a Bulls fan. I am very thrilled with the moves that the Bulls made today. I felt like they got so much better. I love this new front office, AK, doing his thing. Uh, yeah, I just, I, it's just so awesome to have like a front office that I fully trust in. Because Garpax, it was like, I just didn't trust them with anything anymore. You know, it just been, it just turned to disaster the last few years. And it's like, AK, he's, I just, I just trust him. You know, anytime he makes a move, I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, let's, let's go with that. All right, I trust you. I trust you to do this. And if you feel like that's the right move, okay, let's do it. So... You know, the Bulls added Vucevic today, Aminu. Uh, they sent Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and a couple uh, first-round picks to Orlando. Bulls also made some other moves that uh, that were very looked very good, too. In the middle of the day, there were some Bulls fans that were kind of like, eh, on the second deal. And then we learned that the third deal was basically more involving the second deal and then those fans went oh it's like yep have faith here people (laughs) have faith and trust in what this guy's doing have faith in ak let's let him do his thing and let him roll so the celtics picked up evan fournier from from uh boston or from orlando i'm sorry uh, Orlando got Jeff Teague. Orlando just looked like they were just cleaning house today. It looked like they were just going full rebuild. So, going to be curious to see what Orlando does here. Terrence Ross had a great tweet earlier today that I laughed at where he posted a gif that said, was basically like, okay, I'm leader now. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, cause that was just, that was chaos down in Orlando. They just looked like they were cleaning house and looking to go full rebuild. So, but yeah, with Vucevic in Chicago, I mean, they just added a, they added another all-star. We've got two all-stars now in Chicago with, uh, Zach Levine and, and Vucevic. Vucevic, that's a good pickup. I'm thrilled with that. I'm really excited with that pick. And, there were a lot of uh, general managers around the league that were saying, and AK said it tonight in his uh, media stuff, he said he's not done, you know, so I think we're going to see more moves made in the summer. I have no doubt we're going to see more moves made in the summer. There was a lot of Lonzo Ball discussion, you know, about maybe him heading to the Bulls, and of course that didn't go anywhere. I think Orlando wasn't getting back what they wanted. I think they wanted more picks, possibly, or something, but... You know, I mean, Lonzo Ball's a free agent in the summer, so, you know, he could very well sign with the Bulls this summer, you know, depending on how the financials work out. But, yeah, I mean, AK clearly making it clear that he's not done. There are other general managers that have said that they're hearing the same thing, that he's not done making moves. So have faith, people. 
that look at what he's done in, you know, what, six months? You know, we've got Billy Donovan in there as a coach and has just already just completely turned this team around. I mean, yeah, the Bulls are having some bad losses still. You know, they had a, had one or two here in the last week or so that were pretty bad losses. But this team's playing way better, and he's getting he's getting the most out of these players. And now he's got Vucevic to... That's somebody that can work off of Zach Levine, and this is going to be a good thing. Uh, the Nuggets added Aaron Gordon. I think that's a big move for Denver. Denver's already a good team anyway, and they just added Aaron Gordon. Uh, I think that's going to be really good for them. Uh, Gary Harris went to Orlando. RJ Hampton went there. Another pick. Miami getting Victor Oladipo. You know, this is uh, his third team in what a year, <laughs> from the Pacers to the Rockets to now to Miami. I think that's a that's a big get for them. Miami. Uh, you know, Miami coming off the NBA Finals last year, and they've got a loaded lineup as it is of just a lot of good young stars down there with Bam and Tyler Hero. And so this is another get for them. So keep an eye on Miami down there. And uh, Houston got Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley back for him. So had that. Playoff Rondo going to the Clippers, which means we're going to see Playoff Rondo again. So if we get Lakers Clippers in the playoffs, going to be interesting watching playoff Rondo go against the Lakers. That will be interesting. Of course, uh, the Hawks got back Lou Williams from the Clippers. Norman Powell going to Portland. I have Norman Powell on my fantasy team. Of course, he played with Toronto. I think that's a good addition for Portland. Um, I've been real happy with his stats, obviously, because I picked him up for my fantasy team. Uh, really solid player. I think he's going to be a great addition for Portland, and that helps them. Uh, Toronto getting back Gary Trent Jr., Rodney Hood, two solid players there. Uh, Dallas picking up J.J. Redick. That's, that could be big. You know, that's... That's another solid veteran you're getting back that's a shooter, you know, so that's a big deal there. Uh, just kind of scrolling through some of these others. Denver getting JaVale McGee from Cleveland. And just kind of scrolling through, checking out, see if there's any of these others I really want to talk about. It's mostly the main ones I wanted to discuss. A lot of moves, a lot of moves. Uh, seemed like the most hype was on Lonzo Ball, so that ended up not being a thing. But I, you know, it's clear he's probably going to go somewhere in the off season. He'll probably sign with some somewhere, some other team besides where he is. Of course, there's a lot of teams that are interested in him, so I'm curious to see how that turns out. But as a Bulls fan, I'm thrilled. I am pumped up. I think the Bulls really, really upgraded today to where I was posting everywhere, let's go, <laughs> let's go. That's what I was posting everywhere today, texting people. Some of you people listening to this were getting texts from me saying, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a... Uh, 
eventful NBA trade deadline. No block, no real blockbuster names, you know, like we've had in years past. And that was kind of the hype going in to this trade deadline is that nobody was really expecting some like monster names to get moved or anything like we've had in years past. But definitely some moves made that is going to improve some teams, especially in this back end of this current season. Finale week has been underway for Amazing Race Australia this week. It's so different for me watching Amazing Race Australia because the episode, the episodes are so different with them being on three nights in a row, which I really love. I think it's really cool. It's like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, watch Amazing Race. And I just really like that. Instead of just like one episode a week, like what we get here in the States, you know, we've gotten three episodes of this uh, lead up to the finale. So very, very cool. So let's get into it. Lots going on as we have the final four teams with finale week. Um, we have Chris and Alicia, Ashley and Amanda, Brendan and Jackson, Jaskarat and Anurag. We have that as our final four we kick off the final four with Ashley and Amanda doing another smart thing. They're very good with these little things that they do. They've had a map that they've had for a while that they've held on to in case they needed it, and they're using it in their taxi. So they're very good. I'm going to get more to this later on. They're very good at doing little things like this to where it might be an advantage for them later on. So the first task here sends the teams to a jail with... What was a really fun task to watch? What ends up happening, teams will be put into a pitch black jail cell to where they can't see anything. They've got to dig around in the cell and find things that are going to help them escape. So they have to find a way to escape without being caught. Now there are guards walking around the premises, but the catch is that the guards can only look straight ahead. So that is something to keep in mind as you do strategy on this. They also whistle as they walk, so you can hear them knowing if one is nearby. If you get caught, you're going to get taken back into the jail cell and you have to start all over again trying to get out. And you have to look for flags for clues on how to escape, which leads to a ladder which will climb out of, out of the jail yard, prison yard or whatever. So that's how you're going to get out of this. So, this is really fun. I really enjoy this, watching these teams try to figure out where to go, how to avoid the guards. Uh, I loved it. I thought this would be a really fun challenge to do. Uh, you know, you might make the wrong corner and then boom, you're caught, you know. But you also know that they can't look to their sides. So, if you can avoid direct face-to-face -face contact, you can avoid it. So Ashley and Amanda, they rock this challenge. They're the first team out, followed by Chris and Alicia, the Cowboys, and then the Sikhs. So Ashley and Amanda, along with Chris and Alicia, are looking for directions, talking to locals. This allows the Cowboys to move up to first place. Ashley and Amanda get behind them and follow them So to get to the next place. So we get discussion here among the teams with Ashley and Amanda and Jaskarat and Anarag talking about their dislike of Chris and Alicia. So now remember, Chris and Alicia have really just been against the world here. This 
they have just they've not been a popular team on this race. A lot of teams looking to work together to try to eliminate them, and we're seeing more of this going on. So the Cowboys and Ashley and Amanda arrive at the roadblock. The roadblock is a task where a member of each team helps farmers combine their fields. So you have to drive the tractor and pull up to synchronize with the combine next to you to deposit what you collect into the bale, and you can't spill any. So now, thankfully, you do have one of the farmers in the tractor with you to where he can help instruct you with how to do it, which I would absolutely need every bit of that help because I would have no clue what I was doing. And this is also first come, first serve with a rival. So each team can only, you know, if you're there and other teams are there and competing, you have to wait in line. So with it being first come, first serve, Cowboys go first, Cowboys finish first, Amanda jumps in the tractor next, and she's never driven a tractor, so she's going to be needing this farmer for instruction here. As the Cowboys are leaving with their next clue, the teams working with them run to them asking for info on where they are headed to next. And they give it to Ashley, they give it to Jaskarat and Anarag. Chris and Alicia pick up on this and they see what's going on. And Alicia says, I know they're not going to give this, but I'm going to go over there anyway and, and try. So she goes over trying to get info and she runs up and they give her false information. She comes back, she's like, they gave me information, but it's false. <laughs> they're lying. So this is more of Chris and Alicia versus the world here. So Ashley and Amanda finish, and they get out of there second. Jaskarat and Anurag finish third. But we have some game tactics going on here, especially when we've got these alliances going on. As uh, the Sikhs try to leave, Chris jumps on the tractor, and he's headed to do the task, and he works to get himself on the road first to where the Sikhs have to slow down behind him, to where it'll slow down them getting out of there. And they were not happy, the Sikhs were not happy at all with that move. And as you know, in this race, every little second counts. You just never know how close it can be later on when you get to the pit stop, to where every second counts, and it might save you or eliminate you, you know? So... Next up is a visit to the opera house there where teams have to learn the words to a song and perform it in full costume. All the teams struggle with the singing. It's a very entertaining task. I did laugh at Jaskarat after they finished on the fifth attempt getting it right, and he apologized to the crowd saying, sorry, you had to listen to that. It really was a great line. I thought it was pretty funny. So everyone finishes that task. We head to the detour where... All teams, they get a heads up of there's a U-turn ahead. And again, a U-turn is where a team has to do both tasks of the upcoming detour instead of one. The detour, you usually pick one. With the U-turn, you, you have to complete both, and it slows, slows these teams down. So the detour is corral or crack. Crack is having to eat four different types of emu eggs, Corral is where you have to corral emus into a pen, and you have to get 10 emus into a pen exactly. No more than 10, no less than 10. So this gets the detour discussion going big time when the teams learn of the eating eggs part of the detour. Now, you'll remember at the intersection a few legs ago where Chris and Alicia couldn't eat 
and couldn't eat on that task with what they had in front of them. And because it was against like what they, you know, what they believe and feel. So this put that they were working with the Cowboys in that intersection and they took a penalty because they couldn't eat. And the Cowboys say here, they say they make it clear that if we get the U-turn, we're going to U-turn Chris and Alicia for game purposes and also for personal purposes, you know, because they're still upset over how that played out. So the Cowboys do corral and they finish that. They U-turn Chris and Alicia. So that's a thing. Uh, the Cowboys finish first at the pit stop. Chris and Alicia are seen in the car and they are very paranoid about hearing on this detour and the eating eggs is they... You know, Alicia talks about, she says they're against eating animal products, saying they don't agree with profiting off of animals. So the the Sikhs, if I can get that word out, the Sikhs struggle doing the egg eating, but they get through it. They said, (laughs) I liked what they said, where they said, just eat it. Don't ask what it is, just eat it. (laughs) You know, and uh, if we don't know what it is, it's not going to bother us as bad. Just eat it, get it down. So the Sikhs are the second at the mat for the pit stop. Ashley and Amanda arrive as they got lost on the way there. So on the way to the detour. So they do the corral with the emus. This was fun. Um, They struggled getting them in there. Finally, they get the leaves that were left there to try and feed them as a way to lure them in, lure the emus in. The emus come right to them immediately. Once they hold those leaves up, they came right to them. And it was easy after that to the point where they were having to like turn some of them away. Like, okay, we don't, we don't need all of you, you know? So Alicia also figured this out with the leaves and that tactic worked for them too. They have realized now that they are at the point to where they're going to have to eat these eggs. And, this is a major deal for them. And Chris says he isn't sure he's even going to attempt it, saying he would hate to do something like this that's so against what they believe and then get eliminated anyway. But then they say, what if this is non-elimination? And this could be worth $250,000. Chris does the eggs himself, and he says, you know, it's six years since he has eaten eggs. And, you know, this is a, this is a pretty emotional moment for both of them here. So... Back to the pit stop, Ashley and Amanda are third at the pit stop while Chris and Alicia struggle on trying to get through that task. Chris does finish, and by the time they get to the mat, the time has turned to dusk with, uh, you know, we're moving into like night time here as they arrive at the mat last place, but it is announced that this is a predetermined non-elimination, and they're still in the race, so... Chris says he is so thankful that at least he didn't do this for nothing. This moves us into the 22nd leg of the race with our final four teams. Right off the bat, teams have to complete a task where they have clues to go to road instructions of roads that sound similar to actual chemical names. So they're going to these intersections of these roads. Every time they go to one of these intersections, they pick up ingredients at every stop. When they get to the end, they'll put all these chemicals together to complete the task, which is basically like a volcano effect of something coming out of a tube. You know, overflows like a volcano is really cool because it says put it in there and step back. (laughs) 
So on this test, we have a lot of arguing with Chris and Alicia. They're showing their frustration level on this. The Cowboys get ahead after talking to some of the locals for directions help. At one point, the Cowboys and Chris and Alicia uh, pass each other, and the Cowboys ask for help on a clue as they're walking by them, and Chris and Alicia give them nothing, which of course they wouldn't. I mean, it's like, why would you? It's like all the teams are working against you, so there's no way you're going to help them. So I don't even think the Cowboys were surprised about that. So the Seeks just blaze a trail right through this task, and they look strong, getting out of their first. Ashley and Amanda are second. Uh, those two teams are off to the roadblock, and the roadblock is where one member of the team is going to sit on a chair on a seesaw. The other member has to shovel gravel and dirt into a bucket on the other side to where you're going to balance the weight of it versus the weight of your teammate. When you balance it perfectly straight across with the seesaw, you complete it and move along. So Amanda struggles with this at first, thinking she has to get the wheelbarrow with all the with all of that in it. She has to she thinks she has to get the wheelbarrow on the seesaw and push the wheelbarrow over to over to the barrel. And Ashley sees this. This is not what you have to do. But she can't say anything because you can't vocally help some, your teammate on the task. All she can do is just hope Amanda's going to figure it out. And Amanda does. She figures it out. Like, I don't have to do this. What am I doing? And at one point, Amanda overfills the barrel to where she's put too much and then she dumps it out and then dumps out too much trying to overcompensate on it. So, but they end up finishing out of their first. Chris and Alicia get there and they're in an advantage here with how light Alicia is. So Chris is not having to fill as much in that barrel to even up her weight. So they're definitely in an advantage here. They finish right up, move up to second place, nailed it on their first attempt of having it measured. The Seek struggle here is it took them five attempts to get it right. So they were so good on the first task, and then the second task, they've struggled here. This is how this race goes. It's it's ebbs and, ebbs and flows. I can get that out, too. I'm all kinds of tongue-tied today. So that's the way this race works. You can be up and down just so quickly in this race. So the next task is they have to find a gallery where you will be counting the number of wheels on bicycles. And these bicycles are all over the place. They're hanging on walls, laying down outside on the ground. The correct number is 107. So Ashley and Amanda get it on their second attempt. The Cowboys are second getting out of there as they got it on their first attempt. So those two teams move over to the next task where the teams have to drink this disgusting mix of drink out of a boot. It looked like sewage. It was brutal. And Ashley and Amanda are the first team um, out. And here's where things get really interesting here. As they are headed toward the pit stop, they have to go by the gallery task. And this is where Chris and Alicia and the Seeks are still counting their wheels. The Seeks see Ashley and Amanda and they run over asking Ashley and Amanda what the number is. And they gave them the number they gave them the 107 number. Chris and Alicia had just finished the task. So instead of an advantage, now they're even. And Chris and Alicia saw this happen. And they were like, oh no, they just, they just gave them the answer. 
So instead of Chris and Alicia being ahead here, now they're even. And now it's a foot race over here to the task with them having to do the drinking out of the boot. So that was a pretty big moment right there that, uh, that happened. So the Sikhs end up finishing ahead of Chris and Alicia. Ashley and Amanda are first at the pit stop. Cowboys second. Sikhs third. Last is Chris and Alicia with Alicia just breaking down onto her knees in tears at the mat uh, with knowing that they were eliminated and saying that it wasn't a fair fight. And, and so my thing here, when this happened, when they did that, when they made that move, the first thing I said was, oh, I don't know if I'd have done that. You know, that could have been a $250,000 mistake right there. Because it's like, I know you're trying to help friends. And, I mean, the Sikhs have done a lot of this helping other teams too. So and that's one thing they said in their interviews on this, is that it, here it was coming back to us. We've helped a lot of teams, and now it's coming back to us. But this is a really strong team. You know, I mean, it's like... uh yeah, I don't know. This is a really strong team. And, you know, Chris and Alicia are kind of a wild card. It's like they keep going and they keep fighting, but you're also aligned against them, you know. And it's like you just, and the Sikhs are good. They're a really good team. So that's the thing I said. I said was, oh, I don't know. That might have been a $250,000 mistake right there. So that gets us to the final three as we move to the final episode of this week as the final three head to Sydney, and here's where the mistake comes up. We learned that the Sikhs were brought up in Sydney, so this is home field advantage for them. They know Sydney. They know where they're going. Yes, this was a mistake by Ashley and Amanda, it's looking like, and they, they're interviewed in the cab as they're uh, being driven, you know, and they say that they know this is where the Sikhs are from, and they have a big advantage, and we saved them. <laughs> did we make a mistake so they're very aware that they have they may have just messed up here so first task pie is the limit is uh, where teams are going to roll fill and bake pies so the Sikhs are on their way on the subway to the task and they are working with locals that are on the train with them subway whatever whatever they were on and they're trying to get some of the locals to make phone calls on their phones to book them a taxi that would be waiting for them after they get off this ride, which is a really smart move. And teams are watching this going on saying, hey, they're over there probably booking taxi taxis right now. That's what they're doing over there. And the locals are making calls for them. But however, the taxi was not there waiting when they got off the subway so, but the taxi does finally arrive for them. It was just late arriving there. Ashley and Amanda are still waiting for their taxi, and they end up getting 10 or 15 minutes behind here. So now they have to be flawless. These teams have to be flawless against the Sikhs because much like Chris and Alicia had to be flawless against going against a trio of teams, now you've got the Sikhs who, you know, they know where they're going here. So... This is something where you're going to have to be flawless against them because this is this is home field advantage for them. So with the pies, 
Ashley and Amanda had a good strategy here of making extra pies in case some of the pies that they had didn't pass inspection. So again, they're just really good at little things like that. They really think ahead and we're not done with more of what they're going to do in this, uh, this task here or with this leg of the race. I mean, so the Cowboys finish first, the Seeks leave second with Ashley and Amanda not far behind. The next task is more eggs. There's a lot of there's a lot of eating stuff on this amazing race. I think this is the most eating things I've ever seen on any amazing race I've ever seen. So teams are going to spin a wheel with eggs on it and they're going to eat whatever it lands on, but they have a certain amount of these that they have to do. So Here's a problem for the Sikhs. They get a bad taxi driver that gets lost. And here's something that they also find out. They they kind of, they talk about it in their interview. They said, I think we got the only taxi driver that has never used his phone for directions. And he does not even have Google Maps installed on his phone. So like they type in G-O-O at one point. And it doesn't even pop up in a search that it's even on his phone. So, like I say, with The Amazing Race, all it takes is one bad taxi cab, you know, and, you know, your race can be over. I say that over and over. You can be on top, but if, you know, you get a bad taxi, it can go downhill real fast. So the Cowboys, again, are first after this task. Ashley and Amanda struggle with the eggs as Amanda doesn't eat eggs, meat, chicken, and or chicken, and... This is a mix of all of that. So, you know, Ashley knows this is this is going to be brutal on Amanda. So the Sikhs get ahead of Ashley and Amanda here. And again, this is another mistake deal. Because remember how Chris and Alicia are with this kind of stuff. They would have gotten here and they would have struggled on this. So this is another deal to where you could have been probably ahead of Chris and Alicia here. And they would have either done a penalty or or they would have struggled to do it, you know. So, you know, again, it's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think this was a good idea, but we're rolling, you know. So next we get to the detour, fan or find. If you pick fan, teams must perform a fan dance, a traditional fan dance that goes back to 200 A.D., if you pick find, teams will shake a fortune stick for a code that will fall out. Teams then search a room to find a match for that code. So all teams do find. Everybody does find. Cowboys are first. Cowboys are just rocking everything on this leg of the race. Seeks are second with Ashley and Amanda right behind. The next task has teams having to listen to a rap from a famous rapper there in Australia and then they have to figure out, then they have to take what she does as far as what she's rhyming, how she's doing it with her style. And you have to make your own lyrics talking about your race experience, but you have to have it rhyme with what she did. Now, here's another Ashley and Amanda moment of what can we do while we're waiting Ashley and Amanda read the clue, and they figure out what they've got to do. So while they're on the ride over, they're already working on lyrics on the ride over before they even get there. Again, smart. They're very smart. It's the little things with them with strategy that really pays off. And they're always trying to think about what they can do with their downtime. 
So Cowboys rock this. They get the best reaction from everyone. It really was great. Their their rap was awesome. Everybody was clapping along with it. Uh, the rapper that was there, she loved it. Uh, they completed on the first attempt. They got approval. Uh, the Seeks and Ashley and Amanda get no's on their first attempt. The Seeks completed on their second attempt, to which Jaskarat has a great another great line where he says either. Either we got it or she just couldn't bear to take our rapping anymore. So the Cowboys move on to the final task of this leg of the race, which is a Marvel Universe action scene. So Sydney is the scene of many Marvel movies where they shoot the where they shoot these movies. And now what they're gonna be doing is an action scene of their own. Teams are gonna be jumping ten meters up from a free fall and they're going to be jumping over fire and they have to land on a pad underneath. And of course they've got extinguishers, like they've got, you know, safety crews there immediately to where if they, if they catch that fire on the way down, they've got extinguishers there ready to put them out. So it's pretty intense. And of course, when they, they first do, you know, the, every team, when they arrive, you know, they do an example and show them what, it's going to be done, and uh, Brendan's jaw just drops. It's hilarious where he sees what they've got to do, and he's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So while this is going on, we have the foot race going on between the Sikhs and Ashley and Amanda getting there, and they get on the same train together and see each other down the way on the train and kind of wave at one another. That was a pretty funny moment. But you're seeing just how intense this foot race is to where every second's counting here between these two teams. And the Sikhs, they, they're on a foot race to get to that door of that Marvel, that Marvel place there. And the Sikhs just, they get to it very first, you know, just barely, like by foot. You know, it's just whoever steps foot there first. And again, it's first come, first serve. So you've got to wait on teams, you know, to get done. So, you know, if another team's ahead of you, you've got to wait. So the Cowboys finish first. They're just dominating again. They're they're out of their first. And again, here's another Ashley and Amanda moment. While the Sikhs are going, Ashley and Amanda are booking a cab to be waiting for them. So when they get done with this task, there's going to be a cab waiting and they can jump right in it to go to the pit stop. Again, this is smart. And Jaskarat does his jump. He loved it. It was really fun watching his reaction. The Sikhs are second out. Ashley goes for Ashley and Amanda. They're done. Their cab is waiting and they jump right in. Now here's where the Sikhs struggle. They struggle trying to find a cab. So... Of course, there's editing here. You don't know how much is drama building and how much is, you know, legit time. But the way this race has been through a lot of it, it's been close. So, you know, you just never know. Um, and, of course, Smart here with Ashley and Amanda, when they get in the cab, they immediately have their driver put in the coordinates on the GPS to know where they're going to go. So the Cowboys are first at the pit stop. They just dominated. They were they rocked this whole leg. Seeks are second. Ashley and Amanda are the last team to arrive. However, it is non-elimination, which that's how I thought this would go because I thought surely they're not going to go into the finale with only two teams because why would you not go in there with three? So 
All three teams are in for the Amazing Race Australia finale. The funny little thing here at the end, all teams are spending the night in tents suspended off a cliff. (laughs) They had to climb up to even get in their tents. And the episode ended with, you know, the team saying goodnight. That was pretty funny. So this week we are set for the Amazing Race Australia finale. Who wins? I mean, the Cowboys looked strong here. These are three really great teams. Um, I'm very curious to see how this plays out with the Sikhs and Ashley and Amanda, because again, I just felt like that was a big mistake that they made, you know, doing that because it's, ah, you know, it, it just felt like every, it just felt like Ashley and Amanda had to work so much harder in this leg of the race because the Sikhs had an advantage, you know, they knew where they were going and they're so good anyway. They're such a tough team. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out and to figure out, did they make a $250,000 mistake? Because technically they did here because they finished last, but they were saved that it was non-elimination. So who wins? I don't, I don't know. I said last week I feel like Ashley and Amanda win. I could see any of these teams winning. I'm going to I'm going to stick with Ashley and Amanda. I feel like they they figure this out and they win. I just think they're going to keep doing these little things that are going to going to going to get them further ahead. You know, they there's just so many times in this race to where they've been down and then once they're down, they're right back up. Now, the Sikhs are the same way. The Sikhs are very strong at this as well, to where they'll leave somewhere last place and then they do something like they're able to get themselves back ahead and they'll get to the challenge, like taking a shortcut or something, and they'll jump like two spots. You know, the Sikhs are very good with that. They're very good at overcoming and they can overcome very quickly. So, and the Cowboys, they've just been so strong. I mean, it's like when the Cowboys are on, it's, they're really tough to beat. So I'm going to stick Ashley and Amanda. I'm going to stick them to win. I'm going to stick with them to do this. So next week, I'll be discussing the finale of Amazing Race Australia. This has been so fun. I have loved this season of Amazing Race Australia. It has just dismantled the U.S. version of the Amazing Race that we had in 2020. Uh, it, it's not even comparable. This, this has been great. I've loved it. That is it for this week's episode of the podcast. Take care. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great day. Thank you.